good to see everyone get here tonight. And uh, you know, it's um, you, you, you're lucky I turned up to be honest. Like I tell you what, it's just been it's, it's been a bit hard. It's been a bit hard. So I'm I'm glad I came. I'm glad you guys turned up too. So it's good. Um, as I was sharing before um, about stories, you know, and, and that video we watched about scars, and every one of us have a story. I don't know, it, many of us have scars. Um, some of us have ones on the outside. I probably show you some scars from when I used to work and some of the dumb stuff I did. But there's also scars on the inside. I, and, and I'm a little bit hesitant sharing those sorts of scars with people. You know, like I'm, I'm okay with Sonia. I can, you know, she knows all my scars. She can point ones out that I didn't realize that were there. <laughs> um, you got people like that in your life too, and that's good. Um, and um, it's good to actually be reminded that God doesn't cover up his scars. Jesus, you know, he rose again, victorious over sin, over death. He reigns, he's on the throne, but he chose to actually have scars on his hands and his feet and he showed um, those scars to Thomas um, one, one day when he was um, risen. Uh, I'd like to look at um, just the next couple of weeks. Uh, I know we've, we've, there's probably a couple of series up in the air still that are unfinished. I mean, I don't, who remembers looking at Acts during, during last year? Yeah, we haven't finished that. Uh, we, we've been doing a series on holiness too, which has been really, really fun and timely for, for many. Uh, but we haven't finished that. Uh, and, uh, and Easter's over. So, I mean, what, what do you preach on, Ian? You know? And so I've just really been seeking the Lord this, this last week. And it's just this phrase that I've heard time and time again. When people share their stories, they share about their scars, their, their hard times. Maybe they're in hard times. And just over the last month or two, it's really been, I've noticed it. So many people sharing their stories. And, and, and sometimes it's actually good to hear this phrase in the middle of the story. And you've probably heard it before. You might have even used it before. And God showed up. I love it when God shows up. But he doesn't always show up the way we expect him to show up. And he doesn't always show up with bells and whistles and fireworks and rolling thunder and lightning claps. You know, he, he often shows up in the hard places, in the, in the locked rooms, in, in the places of fear and in the places where we doubt that he even exists, he shows up. Um, Sadly, over history, I'm not here to apologize for other pastors or other churches, but sadly over history, and I know I've done it, we fabricate in church, we, we begin to fabricate an environment for God to show up as if that was something that we could do, like it was a fishing expedition or something, you know? And we throw out the right bait and God turns up. It doesn't work that way. I don't know if you've noticed that in your life. Um, sadly, sadly, um, we, we get... We get that thrown at us at church. So, um, I mean, we love praising the Lord here, but it's, it, you know, he, he always shows, he's here. He always shows up. But it's good when he shows up and he delivers you or he saves you or he comes through in some way, you know. But it doesn't always happen. And in our story for tonight um, in John, we see um, an, an empty tomb. Mary Magdalene comes 
to an empty tomb. And um, if you got it, open it up because we're, we're only going to be looking at that scripture tonight in John 20. And it's a, it's a place of, I mean, it's obviously a place of the dead, a tomb that, you know, it's an unused tomb, actually, this one, only firstly used for Jesus. It belonged to a man called Joseph, and he lived in, he came from Arimathea. He was a wealthy man and he owned a tomb that was never, ever used. And him and his mate Nicodemus, they uh, took Jesus's body down from the, from the cross after he had died. And they, and they wrapped him up in cloths and uh, fancy spices and made, made the body smell nice and, and showed their respect to Jesus's body and placed his body in this tomb. And that was the end, you know, like death is the end, right? And I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty hard preaching like this because we all know the end of the story, don't we? But can we, put our play, can we put ourselves in their shoes? You know, the disciples, they'd just been with this man in his presence. They'd smelled how Jesus smelt. You know, mind boggles. They heard every word come from his lips. We see some of those words written down, but they heard all of them. You know, they... they went to sleep at night with Jesus. They heard how he prayed in the morning. They saw him eat and they saw him react to people and, and he, they knew how he walked. They knew what he sounded like, his voice in a dark room. They were with Jesus for three and a half years, many of them. And now he's dead and wrapped up and lifeless. He doesn't have a voice and his smell is beginning it, it, it's going to change. You know, this, this is death for them. And he's laid in this tomb. And we see in verse um, 1 to 9, Peter and John go to the tomb and they see that it's empty. And they look inside, both of them, after a little while. They see that it's empty and they, verse 10, they go home. They went home. God didn't show up for them. They went to find him where they last saw him and he wasn't there. They left. But we see this solitary figure outside the tomb. And her name's Mary. Just read with me. Verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The, angel asked her. the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Where does she want to be right now? With Jesus, right? She goes to the tomb to be with Jesus. She was actually there watching those men wrap up the body and put it in. She was, she was going to go there with the, with the other women the next day and, and anoint him. And she, she'd seen where Jesus' body had been laid. And she... And she goes where she saw God last and he wasn't there. This is Mary Magdalene. 
This is Mary from Magdala. That's not her last name. Magdalene's not her last name. It's, it's from where she's from, where she's from. This Mary, actually we're told about Mary in, in Luke's gospel. And I want to read to you just these words. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read them out to you. This is a little bit of a, um, this is pretty much the details about Mary we have. Uh, soon afterward, uh, this is Luke 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, right? The men, right? Verse 2, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So there's a few things we learn here about this woman called Mary, is that she had seven demons in her and Jesus cast them out. Now, if I know Jesus, he would have done it all at once. Like, there's no, there's no way Jesus would have gone, Mary, come back tomorrow and I'll get number six. You know, like, it's Jesus. So he'd be like, imagine being Mary with seven demons. Don't imagine too hard, but it, it's a hard life. That's, she's not getting stuff done. But we find out that she obviously has been able to get stuff done because of this deliverance that Jesus gave her, because we read on that her and a number of other women are able to actually financially support Jesus and the disciples as they go about ministering. That's really cool. She obviously had some wealth about her. Back in those days, women didn't have a say in a court of law. Even if, even if a woman was the only witness to something, her testimony would not matter. It, it, it wouldn't stand true because that's just the day and age it was. These days, we listen to that. If the Women and men have a voice and a vote. But in those days, it's hard for us to comprehend it, to be honest. But, but, but they didn't have a voice. They, were, they weren't even really second-rate citizens, sadly. But in Jesus' eyes, no way, you know. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved her just as much as he loved any other person that came his way. And I think it's really amazing that God chose out of all of the eyewitnesses to see the resurrected Jesus first, he chose a woman, Mary Magdalene. And, and her story is, is here we're looking at tonight. As she goes to the tomb, and we find her in verse 11, standing outside the tomb crying. She's gone there looking for Jesus. He's not there. So all she can do is weep. The men, they've moved on. They've gone. Peter and, Peter and John, they've come in. They've seen there's no body there. Let's move on. Men and women are very different, aren't they? Husbands and wives. They are. Marriage counseling that I've done with people predominantly is, is talking to the man saying how women are different and talking to the woman saying how men are different, generally speaking. I mean, we're all different. But here is this woman and she's standing outside the tomb crying. This is how she's dealing with it. She's crying. 
She's weeping. And in fact, the way that this is written in English, it just says that she's crying, but she's actually just bawling her eyes out. It doesn't matter what makeup she's wearing that day. She is a blubbering mess. There's snot. There's she is lo she's lost all control of her faculties and she's extremely emotional. This is what we're talking about here. She's come to see Jesus, the man that she's been with for the last three years, probably. She's she's he delivered he delivered her from seven demons and she just wants to be by his side. And all of a sudden that's ripped away from her life. And she's standing outside the tomb crying. The tomb is a dry place. It's a lifeless place. It's a sterile place for a little bit. There's no emotions there, really. There's no hope. She's alone. And sometimes we can find ourselves in those places too. And I think, you know, like, you know, feel free to fabricate situations where God can show up. I don't know about you, but what I notice in the Bible and in my own life is that when I'm standing outside the tomb crying, where it feels like it's all just falling apart, and when it feels like God's not actually in the room or working in my life at all, or I can't hear his voice or I can't see him moving, when, when it feels like that, that is when God shows up. Or we can be like Mary or we can be like the disciples. Mary stays in that place. She stays in that hard, confusing, lonely, lifeless place. She's safe in that place. If she was in harm, then I'd say, Mary, move on. But I think it's okay to go through life as a believer having hard situations. I believe that that's actually a promise that we have from Jesus, that in this world we will have trouble. That, like prosperity doctrine aside, I don't want to use those words, but, um, you know, not everything's roses and sunshine and lollipops. When you're a Christian, it's hard sometimes. But she stays in that place. And she actually, in, in, she stays in that place long enough for God to show up. And he does show up. Have a look how he shows up the first time. Verse 12. Oh, sorry. Verse 11. She was weeping and crying, but then what does she do? She stoops in and looks in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She stoops into that hard place. She stays there long enough in that difficult place where it feels like God's not there. I know you guys have never had these situations in your life, so I'm preaching to myself. But where it feels like God's not there, and it feels like that picture postcard, you know, the Footprints on the beach. It's like God's carrying you through, but it feels like he's not there. One of those sorts of situations that we all love. Hard times. But she doesn't run away from that. She actually goes into that, looking for God in that. And that's what I want to I encourage you guys to do that too. 
especially as believers. Don't run away from those hard situations that come your way. Hey, preaching to myself. God's in it somewhere. Just spend some time, stoop down and have a look inside and see. And what she sees is two angels on the place where Jesus' body was laid. Peter and John didn't see those two angels. Why? I don't know. But Mary sees them. They probably were there before. They just didn't see them with their eyes. And how are they, what are they doing? They're sitting down, one at one end of the, the pillar and the other at the other end of where Jesus was laid. And we find out from the first 10 verses of, of, of uh, John 20 that there's strips of cloth lying there. Jesus' body is not wrapped up in them. And there's a folded up napkin where his head was. And there's two angels, one at this end and one at that end. Mary goes in there to meet with Jesus and she faces two angels. You know what? Angels are spokespeople, on the, the spokesmen on, the, on behalf of God. They're not God. Angels aren't God. But they speak on behalf of God. And what do they ask Mary? Why are you crying, woman? Woman, why are you crying? They were men, weren't they? They were men angels. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if angels have genders. I don't think they do. It's like, woman, why are you crying? They'd, they don't understand why she's crying. What does she say? Basically, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where he is. She's crying because she wants to be with Jesus again. Dead or not, but he's not there. She wants to be in his presence again. And here's these two angels sitting there on this, whatever it is, a stone tablet of sorts, some kind of a bench inside a, inside a tomb. Keep your place in John 20 and I'm going to turn to Exodus 25. Very random scripture. But maybe you might notice something similar. In Exodus 25, we see God giving Moses the instructions on the, on the tabernacle, which is the temple where people would go and worship God, offering sacrifices to God and literally just having a relationship with God. This is the design that God had given the Israelites um, of different bits of the tabernacle, different bits of that temple. And in Exodus 25, we see the plans for what's called the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, now this is basically a box. Um, and, uh, and I'll read to you, I'll read to you this, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll try and listen to see if you might notice any differences or any similarities between what Mary's looking at and what's going on here. So God's speaking to Moses, verse 10 of Exodus 25. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, that is, 45 inches long, 25 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Uh, overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the, at the sides of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings. Never remove them. When the ark is finished, place, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, which I will give to you. Then make the ark's cover, which is the place of atonement, or otherwise known as the mercy seat in different places, from pure gold. It must be 45 
five inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim. Everyone know what cherubim are? They're angels. Okay. Cherubim. Uh, make two cherubim. Where am I? 19. Uh, mold the cherubim. Oh, sorry. 18. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread, open, uh, spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the, the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. That's the place where God would actually meet his people. His Shekinah glory would descend from on high and be in between those cherubim. I'm not sure how it worked, but he's God. He can do whatever he likes. And I really believe that he's, he's communicating something very special here to not only Mary, who's the witness of the resurrected Jesus, but she doesn't know it yet. But she looks inside and she sees two angels, one on each end of something. And between those two angels is where God meets with his people. Jesus. You want to know what God's like? You look at Jesus and God met with us through Jesus. And we can actually only meet with God through Jesus. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus. And God's presence would reside in between those two angels. I think God was trying to say to Mary, maybe to us, maybe to some Jewish scholars that were reading this, my presence is right there. You just have to recognize it. And in those hard places, in those tombs, in those lifeless situations that we face, those really tough places where it feels like God's not there, he actually is there. He is really there. We just have to notice it. And God sends two angels to Mary. So surely she notices that God's there, right? Let's have a look. The angels say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, because they've taken my Jesus away. I don't know where they put him. And then verse 14, she turned to leave. What? She's talking to two angels. Get some more details. I mean, who's... Anyone here spoken to angels? Wouldn't it be great? Like, imagine that. Imagine you way home from church tonight, you go past the bus stop, and you see this angel on one end of the bus stop. And then you look and you see, at the other end, there's another angel. What do you do? Just drive past and go, oh, that's nice. This is what Mary does. She just has a conversation with two angels. And she turns to leave. Why? She can't, she couldn't care less about the angels. Why? Because she wants to be with Jesus. She wants to be in his presence. But she is. She just doesn't realize it. And God will send people your way in those tomb places. Does everyone understand what I'm talking about there? Like those hard places, the uncomfortable, confusing places where God's not there, but he is. God will actually send spokesmen into those situations for you. 
They might not be angels. They might just be people, Christians, imperfect Christians, and they might try and help you in those situations. But they're not the main thing. She turns away from them as if to leave, and she notices a gardener. Have a look. Verse 14. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Poor Mary. She's in the presence of God. She's in the presence of God in the hardest place of her life. And she doesn't even realize it. I know none of us have ever been there before. (laughs) Or maybe we have. And she turns to leave, but Jesus loves her so much, even as a gardener. And he calls out to her, dear woman, why are you crying? (laughs) What's what's with all these people trying to help me by saying, why are you crying? Why are you crying? The angel said it. Now this gardener is saying it. Why are you crying, woman? What, are they blind? Do they not know what's going on in my life? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? The dead guy that was just in there. Where is he? She says, she thought he was the gardener. So she says, sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. She just wants to be with Jesus, doesn't she? She just wants to be with Jesus. And then God shows up. God shows up. Here she is, confused, alone, lost, no answers, weeping, snot everywhere, and she hears the voice call her name, Mary. That's all it took. And it turns out that she was actually on her way leaving this gardener even. She was, because... When Jesus says her name, Mary, what does she do? She turns to look at Jesus. In other words, she was about to walk away from the gardener too. And all the while, God's trying to get her attention through the angels. God's trying to get her attention through the gardener, (laughs) who we know is Jesus, you know, spoiler alert. And she's still listening to her feelings and her emotions. She's not listening to what Jesus told her. She's not listening to what Jesus promised. We we can do that too. And that's okay. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's actually okay to be a blubbering mess. It's okay to have an argument with God. He is big enough to deal with that. I'd much rather we be in a place where we can be honest about that with him than to You know, be like the disciples and try and solve the problem ourselves. It's okay to be in hard situations without any answers. Because they're the moments where God's able to actually show up and actually be God. He just calls her name Mary and she turns to him and she cries out, Rabboni, which means in Hebrew, teacher. Obviously, she was about to hug him because he says, don't cling to me. It's about being in his presence. 
But more than that, it's about recognizing his presence in those hard times. Do you want God to show up in your life? Do you want God to show up in your marriage? Do you want God to show up in your relationships at school? Do you want God to show up in your unsafe family? Do you want God to show up in the next diagnosis from the doctor? Do you want God to show up? Don't run away. Just stay there. Just stay there and be honest with your emotions. But be open to what he might have to say. Read your Bible. Hang out with other Christians. Come to church. Because God wants to reveal himself. He wants to show up. He'll show up in different ways. It won't always be with fireworks and smoke machines. <laughs> there might be little ways. But he still wants to show up because he loves you. I just want to pray. Dear Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are moving in our midst. Dear Father, we thank you that you are in our hard places. We thank you that you are working in that place. Lord, it's our prayer that you would help us in that to worship you. To worship you, to set our hearts on you, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. Help us to trust you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for some of the unanswered prayers in this room. Just We just lift them up to you, God, and we, we just thank you that you are on the throne and you have perfect timing, that you are the healer. You're able to do it. Help us, Lord God, to stay in that place of trusting you and believing you, even when we don't see the answers we expect or want. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would help us to build those spiritual muscles that we need to build the unanswered prayers, in the, in the hard place, in the lifeless place, in the brokenness. And help us, God, to, to be open to what you might want to say to us in different things. We just want to be with you. We just want to be in your presence. And I thank you so much, Jesus, that one day, because of our faith in you, we will see you face to face. We won't be confused. We won't think that your angels are a gardener or something. You will see you face to face. And we just thank you that, for that promise. We thank you for the promise that in this world we will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. And so, Lord, just help us to have strength. Lord, we just lift up to you, um, yeah, all of this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.